Well, it almost feels wrong to try and wrap up family investment time, just standing here and just watching the conversation happening all around the church and people up and moving and uh, just catching up with one another. It always kind of feels like we should just let that continue, but I guess that's what coffee and after church is for. I'm going to give you a, a question to discuss while you're in the coffee line or uh, while you're waiting for uh, a friend to bring you back a coffee. And that question is, how is your faith being strengthened? What strengthens your faith? What strengthens your faith? So that's the question to discuss while you're in the coffee line. Just stand with someone. What strengthens your faith? And that's our series that we're working through over the, uh, the next few weeks. Rihanna spoke to us last week and talked about the little things and the importance of those little things. Well, why not make the coffee cut conversation one of those little things? What strengthens your faith? And as I was reflecting on that for preparation for this morning, I began to think about that from a personal point of view, not generally what strengthens our faith, but what has strengthened my faith over the years? What has made my faith strong? And I began to think about God in my life and the impact that that has had, the different experiences I've had that have strengthened my faith or even tested my faith over the years. And just even that exercise of reflecting and thinking through that with a heart of thanksgiving has been really encouraging. And I challenge you to think that through as well. What is it that has strengthened your faith over the years and what still strengthens your faith today? You know, remembering things like that is really important. And there's countless verses in the Bible about remember what the Lord has done. How he led the people out of slavery in Egypt. How he parted the seas and they walked across on dry land but then the waters closed and destroyed the Egyptian army. How he led them to the promised land. How they crossed over the Jordan River and took the promised land. And so on it goes. And there's many times where the leaders of Israel have said to the nation, remember what the Lord has done. Remember what he's done. And that's such an important thing. It strengthens our faith. And so my message this morning is a different kind of a message. I want to share a couple of key moments in my life where I think my faith has been strengthened. And I guess it's kind of a bit like a testimony. And so I invite you to come along on this journey with me, but also that you might be thinking as I'm speaking, well, what is it that has strengthened your faith over the years? What makes your faith strong as well? And whether you've known the Lord for a long time or just a short time, There'll be things that you can recall that have strengthened your faith. What led you to the Lord in the first place? How have you grown over the years? What can you be thankful for? And as I reflected on those things, I kept going back and back and back. And I thought, well, what is my very earliest memory of a very special experience with God? And that's where I want to start because I think some of these early things that I experienced are foundational to my faith today. Now, to give some context, I grew up in a Christian home. Dad was a church minister in the Methodist church. So if I wasn't sitting in church hearing Dad preach, and he was a very good preacher, I'd be out in Sunday school hearing from the Sunday school teacher. 
who was mum. So there was no escape. But I'm grateful for the influence that they've had on my life, not just as a person, but particularly on my faith as well. And they still have influence today. So my earliest memory of my own experience with God was when I was 10 years old. And I know I've shared this story with some before. But uh, I was, it was a Sunday and I was unwell and wanted to stay home from church. Now, in our family, with Dad as the preacher and Mum as the Sunday school teacher, you never stayed home from church. It would have had to have been something like, you know, the planet has fallen out of its orbit or something to actually allow you to stay home from church. It had to be something very significant. But Mum could see that I was unwell, and she said, OK, you can stay home. I mean, church was only right next door to the house, so it wasn't a significant thing. <laughs> but you have to promise to read your Bible. I promised I would read the Bible. So they toddled off to church, and uh, I was in bed feeling unwell. I thought, well, I promised I'd read my Bible. So I grabbed my Bible, which was a revised standard version, RSV version of the Bible. And I used what uh, I called the ha-ha plonk method of reading the Bible. Open the page, ha-ha plonk. And that's the verse that I'll read. And this is the verse I landed on from Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. Now, I don't know many 10-year-olds who would delve into Revelation. I don't know many 20 or 30 or 40 or 50-year-olds who might as well. It's a complicated book to understand, but so much in that. But that's where I landed with a ha-ha-plonk method. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. Strange verse for a 10-year-old feeling unwell, lying in bed on a Sunday morning to read. But as I read that, it dawned on me that God was there at the start of creation. And he was going to be there at the end of creation. And I just had this burning desire to be there with him. And it wasn't out of fear for what might happen in end times. It was just this desire to be with God who knew all of this, who knew what it was like at the start, who knew what would happen at the end. And I wanted to be there with him. And that was such an amazing revelation to me at that time. And it's what led me to make my own decision for Jesus. Now, there was no parent there, obviously. There was no teacher. There was no clever adult who would explain to me the depths of what that verse meant and what Alpha and Omega meant and so forth. But I think that two or three minute event in my life was one of the most significant in my life because I had that desire to want to be with God. And actually, though I didn't realise it at the time, there was a teacher there with me. And that was the Holy Spirit. And we know that part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to be a teacher, to bring to life the Word of God. And I believe it was the Spirit that brought that verse to me and made it alive for me at that moment. We know that the Word of God is living and active. And it's the Spirit that makes it so. We know that we can't live on bread alone, but by on every word that is from God. And it's the Spirit, again, that brings that to life. We know that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of God stands forever. And over the years, there have been many other verses that have just 
been brought to life. And I remember in my younger years again, verses like John 3.16, a very well-known one. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge it, but to save the world through him. And the Spirit has brought that verse to life to me time and time again. And this one from John 10.10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And the Spirit has brought those words to life to me over and over again. And when that happens, our faith is strengthened. It's made stronger. The second memory I had was travelling in a car from Sydney to Newcastle one evening. Now, this was before the Pacific uh, motorway, the M1, um, was built, and we would go up the old Pacific Highway, and a journey from Sydney to Newcastle would take three hours on a good run. You'd be going through Hornsby, Barara, winding through Gosford, Wyong, all those little tiny places... And uh, sometimes it was just one lane. If you got caught behind a slow vehicle, it would take a long, long time. Anyone else remember those longer journeys from Sydney to Newcastle? Look at all the old people with their hands up. (laughs) I've been told about it. I mean, I was a kid. (laughs) And um, on this journey, we actually had music to listen to. Now, I need just to put that in context, context as well. We're not talking car radio. We couldn't afford a car that had a radio in it. But we had a cassette player, a portable cassette player. Does anyone know, sorry, anyone not know what a cassette is? Okay, so we're all good. So this little plastic device with probably about four kilometres of tape inside wrapped around and you pop it in the machine and so forth. Now, by portable, I mean it only took eight size D batteries to operate. If you don't know what a size D battery is, think of a AAA and go from there, okay, and you get to D. And if we were lucky, we could get from Sydney to Newcastle and the battery power wouldn't run out. And that would be the end of the music. Um, and if you were really lucky, the tape wouldn't get caught in the spool inside the thing where you'd have to pull out the tape and try and unwind it and wind the tape back in. Who's had those experiences with cassette tapes? Yeah, look at all the old people again. <laughs> so we were listening to this tape, and it was a musical. It was a Christian musical called Come Together, and it was um, uh, promoted as a musical experience in worship. Now, that's 50 years old this year, and I still listen to it. Look at all the old people. But the music was incredible. And I remember we'd heard this time and time again. It was a family favourite, and we'd go along and listen to the music. And there's this song, and the words are... Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And we lift our hearts before you as a token of our love. Holy, 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 holy. Anyone know of Come Together or know of that song? Yeah. And it's this beautiful song. Um, And there's, there's other verses to it as well. And even though I'd heard it before, I remember sitting in the back seat of the car, the bench seat, myself and two siblings in the back and mum and one sibling and dad in the front, um, two bench seats in the car. But I remember sitting behind dad who was driving, 
hearing this, looking out the window on this evening and seeing the stars and just really connecting with the character and the nature of God. I'd heard the music before, I'd heard the words before, but I just really had an attitude of, of wow, God, you are almighty. And I do want to lift my heart before you. And I remember as a 13-year-old, this tear running down my face, just really entering into worship. And I think it was my first real experience of entering into worship, of, of connecting with the heart of God. And if my experience as a 10-year-old, unwell in bed, reading from Revelation, was, was a, about a head knowledge and an understanding, my experience as a 13-year-old worshipping God that moment was a heart connection. And I think that's so important that we have a head connection and a heart connection. And the two of those are really significant and vital. And together they give us a confidence in who God is. And that can strengthen our faith. We know from our head, we believe and we feel it from our heart and we have that connection and our faith is made stronger. And that confidence is the theme of my, my last story I want to share this morning. I must have been about 18 and uh, where we lived um, in the church house at Belmont, um, we had no back fence and literally you could walk from our house, the back door of our house, up through the bush behind our house, all the way through to Elibana, through bush tracks and just only have to cross one road. Um, it's all houses now, I think. But there was this hill in the, in the bush behind our place and on top of the hill was a little mound and I used to like to go up this hill, sit on the mound, and that was my place to pray and to think. And from that mound, I could look and see Lake Macquarie in one direction. I could look and see Redhead, um, the headland at Redhead, in another direction. And it was just a really lovely place just to go and to think and to pray. So as an 18-year-old, this particular day, I had some serious prayer to do. 18-year-old, male, serious prayer. It had to be about a girl. And it was. And it was a relationship that I thought wasn't, um, I mean, we, we got on well, this, this girlfriend and I, but I just didn't think it was going to be a long-term relationship. And I just needed to go and commit that to God in prayer and say, what, what goes, Lord, what, what's, what's with this? And as I prayed, I didn't get a yes, stay in the relationship. And I didn't get a no, leave the relationship. But I got something at the time that I think was more valuable and it really strengthened my faith and that was confidence that whatever the outcome was, God was in control. And I remember walking down from that little mound and that hill and back through the bush to home just feeling light, you know, that God had that in his hand. It, it wasn't up to me anymore to have to worry about what happens here but whatever the outcome would be, God had it in control. We broke up, fortunately, because now I'm married to Jane very happily. But I think prayer doesn't always have to have a definite answer then and there. But we do have confidence that God's in control. As I reflected on those three experiences, the word of God becoming alive to a 10-year-old a 13-year-old entering into worship on the back seat of the car on a long trip from Sydney to Newcastle, an 18-year-old feeling confident that our prayers are heard and God is looking after things, I realised that there was something in common with all three of those experiences. 
each time I had placed myself in a position that allowed God to do his thing in my life. I'd placed myself in a position that allowed God to do his thing in my life. As a 10-year-old, I was obedient to mum. She said, stay home, but you must read the Bible. And I said, yes, I will. They would have come home from church. I could have said, yes, I read the Bible, and I hadn't. Or I could have said, no, I didn't feel well enough, which possibly would have been true. But I was obedient. And as a result of that obedience, I was in a position where the Spirit could bring the Word of God to life for me. And I think that's a key. If we're going to position ourselves to God, sometimes we just have to do it out of obedience because we know it's right to do it. We know it's right to open the Word of God. We know it's right to learn and to study. And sometimes it's just out of obedience. As a 13-year-old, I positioned myself to enter into worship through my attitude. I'd heard the words before. I'd heard the song before. I could have tried to find a bit of... Uh, sleep in the back of the car as we were travelling home that evening, that my attitude was one of wanting to draw closer to God. And I think that can happen for us all, that at times we just go through the routine and the motions, but we need to have an attitude that's desiring more of the character of God, to have that heart connection. And as an 18-year-old, I positioned myself in a place to hear from God in a physical sense, that was my prayer space. That was my thinking space on top of that hill. And I know that people have that in their homes. It could be a chair or it could be somewhere on the back deck or it could be somewhere else. But sometimes I think we have to physically position our place, uh, our, ourselves. Intentionally positioning ourselves so that God can do his thing in our lives through obedience or through an attitude or through a physical space. And I have to confess that not every time I've done that in the years, there's been a light bulb head or heart moment. But the thing is, God knows what I need and when I need it. And my job is to turn up and to be present with him. And positioning ourselves can initially be an inconvenience to our daily life. Until it becomes part of our daily life. Listen to this remarkable example of someone who was committed to positioning herself every day. Her name is Susanna Wesley, and she lived from 1669 through to 1742. She didn't know about cassette tapes. She actually bore 19 children. Only 10 of them survived to adulthood. Her husband was a minister but he struggled in his ministry. He struggled in lots of areas of life. And so as well as raising these children, she was also trying to support her husband. Uh, let me read to you. Early in her life, she vowed that she would never spend more time in leisure entertainment than she did in prayer and Bible study. Well, <laughs> there's a challenge, isn't it? More time in prayer and Bible study than on Netflix. More time in prayer and Bible study than playing sport. More time in prayer and Bible study than any other leisure thing. And even amid the most complex and busy years of her life as a mother, she still scheduled two hours each day for fellowship with God and time in his word. 
and she adhered to that schedule faithfully. The challenge, and I'm sure you can understand this, was finding a place of privacy in a house filled to overflowing with children. Susanna's solution to this was to bring her Bible to her favourite chair, throw her long apron up over her head, forming a sort of a tent. Every person in the household, from the smallest toddler to the oldest child, knew well to respect that signal. When Susanna was under the apron, she was with God and not to be disturbed, except in the case of the direst emergency. There in the privacy of her little tent, she interceded for her husband and children and fathomed the deep mysteries of God in the scriptures. This holy discipline equipped her with a thorough and profound knowledge of the Bible. So no excuse to not try and position yourself in a place where you can be with God. But you may know that Susanna's sons, John Wesley and Charles Wesley, were both evangelistic preachers in England. And they led revival. And from that revival formed the Methodist Church. I wondered, is there a connection between Susanna's growing faith, her dedication to position herself with God every day, the impact on her sons, John and Charles, the establishment of the Methodist Church, my dad being a minister in the Methodist Church, and the impact on my faith? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's a stretch. But to me it points out that whatever we do with our faith, we do not know the lasting impact. Our job is to consciously position ourselves before God and see how our growing faith may serve and impact others. I really believe our faith is not just for ourselves. Another example, we can read about this in Daniel chapter 6. And in that chapter we read that the other officials of the king were jealous of Daniel. This is Daniel and the lion's den, Daniel, this Daniel. They were jealous of him because the king saw him as a favourite because of Daniel's faith with God. And so they set a trap for Daniel and they convinced the king to agree to this foolish idea that for 30 days, if anyone prayed to a god other than the actual king, they will be thrown in the lion's den. And these officials knew Daniel's habits. And they set this trap and the king agreed. Anyone who prayed to God, didn't pray to him, would be thrown into the lion's den. The Bible tells us that Daniel knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he'd always done, giving thanks to God. And of course he was seen, it was reported to the king, he was brought before the king who knew that he had no option but to follow the law that he himself had agreed to. And so Daniel was to be thrown into the lion's den. And the king actually said, Daniel, may your God save you. And of course we know that God did save Daniel from the lions. And when he was brought out the next day, the king then threw the officials into the lion's den the Bible says they were torn to pieces before they even hit the floor. So Daniel was rescued. Do you think that made his faith stronger? <laughs> I would imagine it would make it incredibly strong. 
But because he positioned himself every day with the Lord, the Lord was able to do his work in his life. I'll get the band to, to come up as I'm finishing. So today's message is a result of my reflection of that question, what has made my faith strong? And I pray that there might be something in there that is really helpful for you, but more so, consider your own faith journey. Thinking about that for me was a really, really valuable exercise. It showed me the depth and the diversity of God in my life, his presence and influence right through my life, and that has strengthened my faith. I can see God's hand in my childhood, through my teenage years, through my university years, through meeting and marrying Jane, through directions in my career. I can see God's hand in my friendships, through the churches I've been with, through my own children and now my own grandchildren, through the countless prayers I've prayed and God's never-ending guidance and direction his love and his faithfulness. And I wonder, if you were speaking today, reflecting on what had strengthened your faith, what things would you raise? For me, it was that moment of revelation in the Word of God, worshipping God and through prayer. And there's many ways that God strengthens our faith, many ways. And I wonder what it would be. But... As I mentioned, the challenge is during the line at the coffee cart, ask that question with someone near you. What strengthens your faith? What's been your experience over the years? I spoke about the reflection and remembering in the Old Testament. Remember what God has done. Remember this. Remember that. I want to finish with a verse from Isaiah 43. Isaiah writes the words from God. And these words are, I am the Lord. Your Holy One, Israel's Creator and King. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smouldering candle wick. And this is what really grabbed me when I was reading this, thinking about remembering and reflecting on what God's done. These next words, but forget all that. (laughs) I thought, what? (laughs) Forget all that. And what Isaiah means is don't dwell on the past. Don't dwell on the past. If I was going for a a job interview in a a Christian organisation and the interviewer said, Graham, tell me about your Christian faith. And I said, well, when I was 10, I had this amazing revelation from God. Um, And that's about it. That's not the case. That is not the case. But I can't rely on that to carry me through every moment of every day. There's been more times, of course, during that time. And I can't just keep going back to the past. Well, God did this for me a long time ago. And God did that a long time ago. It has to be more recent than that. Don't dwell on the past. I continue to read from Isaiah. Forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. 
I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And isn't that exciting? It's not just about what God has done for us, but what he is going to do for us. It's not just how we positioned ourselves in the past, but how we continue to position ourselves to hear from God. It's not just about how our faith was strengthened, but how our faith will be strengthened and continued to be strengthened. And I believe a huge part of that is just to position ourselves with God, to place ourselves where God can do his thing in us. And that won't happen if we spend all our day on the land watching Netflix. It's not going to happen if our lives are so busy and cramped full we can't find time, if we don't throw that apron over our head and just give ourselves some space. It has to be an intentional thing to allow God to work in us where our faith may be strengthened. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your faithfulness over the years. And as we all remember back to our journey with you, we give you thanks for all the things you've led us through, for the way that you've helped us to grow, to come into a deeper relationship with you. And Father, we're excited about the promise in your word that the best is yet to come. And we look forward with anticipation about what you're going to do. Father, I pray that you would help us all to be faithful in positioning ourselves where we can grow and our faith can be strengthened. I thank you for this church community, for the love they have for one another, for the care they have for one another. And Father, as our individual faith is strengthened, may our collective faith be strengthened as well. We ask this in your powerful name. Amen.